Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you keep your hands lifted? Keep your hands lifted. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're here now. We thank you that the sound of heaven is in this room. The sound of heaven is in this room. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning that you're good. We choose to believe that you're good. We choose to believe despite our circumstances, despite what we may be facing, that you're good. And for some of us in this room, you're having a hard time hearing the sound of heaven. And I wanna encourage you anytime I feel like I'm not hearing from God, because when I'm hearing from God, whether my circumstance is good or whether it's bad, I am good. And so for those of you who don't feel good, because you haven't heard from God about a specific situation, an area of your life, a challenge, a mountain you're facing, I want you right now. I felt God remind me of this in the last couple of weeks. Anything I'm not hearing from him about is because I haven't actually given it to him. If you haven't given God something, what if he says this and you don't wanna believe that? Or what if he says this? And, and I find every time I'm not hearing from him is because I'm afraid to actually give him that thing because I'm afraid of what he might say because I have a bad view of who God is. I haven't trusted his character or I haven't believed that he is good despite what he may or may not say that he's able to work all things together for good. So even right now, for those of you who have had a hard time hearing from God about a specific thing, I want you to do this. I want you to right now, give it to him. I want you to say, God, I give you this, whatever it is. God, I give you my business. God, I give you my marriage. God, I give you my son or my daughter. God, I give you my healing. And I trust that you are the one who is good. And I believe with all that I am that God will speak to you even right now. Some of you are hearing from him in your heart. Some of you just got chills. Some of you feel a warmth going through you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are moving, that you are speaking, that as we surrender, you resurrect. Our job is not resurrection, our job is surrender. So Father, I thank you for those of us who are surrendering right now, that you are speaking, and that when you speak, resurrection happens. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen, amen. I believe today breakthrough is gonna happen. I believe a spirit of breakthrough is in this house. It, it was in worship, it was in the offering, and it's gonna be here today. It's gonna be here today. I'm so thankful to be in this pulpit. I just turned 30 this last week. I moved into our new house, our second home in San Diego. Screw you, devil. Eight years ago, he tried to take my life, and God has said new beginnings, and he has prospered me, he's blessed me because I've surrendered my life to him. He has resurrected things I could not do on my own. And so if you're in this room and you're wondering, is God good? Is he worth laying my whole life down for? I am literally a testimony of his goodness, of his faithfulness and his mercy. And so I'm honored to be here this morning. Pastor Matt and Michaela, how many love our campus pastors, our regional pastors? They're out in Salt Lake City. 
and they're ministering out there to one of our North Region campuses. Uh, I always tell our campus pastors out there, the Tuggles, who I love, uh, I say, hey, there's about three weeks in a year I'll come out and visit. And, uh, and it's the month of September, based on the weather, based on the weather, because it's freezing there right now. And uh, even this is a little difficult for me, the, the cold we've experiencing. So I thank you, Carolyn, for bringing Cabo weather back here in Jesus' name. And uh, today's going to be a fun day. Today's going to be a powerful day. Why don't you high five four people and say, today's going to be great. Today's going to be great. Thank you, worship team. Absolutely incredible. Four people, please. No more, no less. Four people. Okay. Wow. A little overboard, guys. A little overboard. So, we're in a new series, new series. How many are thankful we have uh, had such a great, you know, series on relationships? Come on, I felt like I got elbowed like 17 times a weekend by my wife. I think I'm a better husband now after, after those four weeks. Uh, feel a little bit bruised, but, you know, I'll, I'll recover. Uh, but now we're in a new series. We're in the month of March, March, and uh, we are marching forward. How cool is that? Marching forward, get it? It's the month of March, okay. And the reason we have this series name is because uh, I know that we, you know, we're here at San Marcos, and some of you have never actually been to another campus of ours, but we have, uh, well, we had six locations uh, coming into 2023. And in the next three months, we're going to be launching basically three more campuses. Yeah, pretty supernatural. And... Uh, and so there's a campus launching in uh, down in the central region called Bayho Campus, the Bayho Campus. Um, we just got that building. It's the Salvation Army building, whole wild, incredible God story with that. And then Boise, Boise, Idaho. And uh, that also, uh, you know, miraculous building right off the freeway. It's basically like a mini San Marcos building. It's actually really interesting. It's like almost the exact same thing. Um, and so that's launching, and then uh, Coronado, Coronado, yep, yep, don't, none of you move down there, okay, none of you, <laughs> just kidding, you can move wherever you want, um, and, uh, and, and Coronado, so that's three, so we're going from six to nine campuses in the first, like, basically two quarters of, of this year, and then Baja might be on its way, someone say Temecula might be on its way. Yeah, based on that response, I feel like Temecula is going to happen. Yep, you're waiting? Good. You go to women's prayer? Do you go to women's prayer? Do you go to women's prayer yet? No? Okay. I recommend you go to women's prayer. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out, but you did yell at me, so. <laughs> really exciting year, guys. Really exciting year. We're on our way to 16 campuses, and it's because of the faithfulness of everyone here and those who have built this church. And... Uh, we're one church in a ton of locations, so I honestly do recommend, if you haven't been to any of our other campuses, take a Sunday and go check out another campus. You'll find that it's, it's like the same thing, but a little bit of a different flavor. It's really, really cool. So um, as we grow and expand, though, how many know that that comes with some growing pains um, in, a, in a lot of different ways? But the thing that Pastor Eugen and Leanne value the most is making sure that the DNA of Awaken maintains and actually grows as we grow. 
They, they don't care about more buildings and just more people filling. Like, we're not a spectating church. Has anybody figured that out yet? If you've been here more than one week, we are not a just sit in the seat, come on Sundays, leave early, not get engaged, not get involved, not be in a connect group, not serve, not talk. Like, we're very much involved. Like, everyone's on the field. Like, those aren't stands. Like, we're all in this field, right? Just a little elevated. Like, we're all playing in the game because the devil's real, God's real, he won, but we're on a bit of a mission here, right, to win San Diego for Jesus and to do the same now in Idaho and in Utah and who knows where else. Uh, but with that said, um, the importance of this series is to make sure that we actually get our values, how we make decisions, how we think uh, as a church all the way down because I'm sure some of you have been to a hotel that you really like, right, and you love that hotel and you have such a great experience at that hotel, but that hotel is part of a chain. And then you've gone to another location of that hotel and been very disappointed that it was not the same experience, it was not the same vibe, and you ended up being like, what the heck? How did this, they're the same name, but they're different, right? That's bad, okay? Then restaurant, have you ever been to like one of your favorite restaurants? And it's a chain. I've got an opinion on that, which I'll share in a minute. <laughs> have you ever been to one and then you go to another one, same name, same branding, same colors, same menu even, but it's different and it's worse and you're really upset. Now, here's my opinion, really quick, semi-unrelated, but important. I believe that restaurants, food chains, should really only be chains if like they're Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out and Raising Cane's. I feel like that's it. I feel like everything else should be local, businesses doing very good work, because like Ruth Chris, like I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but Ruth Chris, don't go to Ruth Chris, like, I'm not a Ruth Chris guy. I am a big fan of local steakhouses, local uh, restaurants. Yeah, I should have left that out after the second one. I told you that one wasn't gonna fly well. I think everyone agrees. No, I think everyone agrees. I think that's the thing. I don't think it's like controversial. Okay, or, or you've been a fan of a sports team for a long time and they're back and forth, back and forth, losing, winning, losing, winning, like no consistency over time, right? And based on if they have really good players and they're really good, if they have bad players, they're just not that good. But you have some franchise, and I'm a fan of the Raiders, so we've just never won, so I don't have to worry about that. It's just always losing since 2002 when I became a fan. Um, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but you have some teams that are just always good because they have a value system that despite the talent, they are great, and they will win, and they will do what they do uh, regardless of what the circumstances look like. And that's why if you've ever been to, anybody ever been to a church besides Awaken Church? Anybody? Okay, it's a lot of people. Would you say that it's different than Awaken Church? Yeah, just a little bit, right? How could that be? How could that be? It's the same name. It's the church. It's God's church. Well, there's these things called values. And those values mean that there's a different way of doing things. There's different things that we value than maybe other churches value. And some of those are preferential, meaning it doesn't really matter. Like, we like LED walls. We like trusses because we do big musicals. And, uh, and those are preferential, right? You don't have to have those to have church. But then there are certain things and certain values that really matter in terms of like, yeah, we believe that God made man and he made woman and that's it. He made two genders and that's it. We believe in a lot of things that are controversial that other churches won't talk about, but we value those things and we value your life. And so we're gonna talk about those things all the time. And that's what makes us different right? And so it is important that we actually establish and 
communicate and let you guys know what we believe and what we value versus things we don't. And so two of the ones, so throughout this series, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the different values of our church uh, to make sure that we really own this as a team, as a church, and that way we can grow and get into Temecula and do all these things, Escondido, uh, Oceanside, all these different parts of the North region and do it well. Two of them that have stuck out to me very recently uh, that have, uh, you know, that I'm going to be talking on today are push, pray until something happens, and the second one being dependent upon waters above dependent upon the waters above. If you've been through DNA, you've seen these, shout out. Uh, if you haven't, go to DNA and you can read all about them. But push, pray until something happens. Pastor Jurgen actually wrote a book on it, wrote a whole book on it, it's an amazing book. But it's basically this idea that we, we, we can't just assume that everything that happens is God's will. We're not Calvinists. Sorry to break it to you if you haven't figured that out yet. We believe that God's will must be contended for and amen by us here on this earth if it's going to come. That's why Jesus said, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If, if, if we weren't supposed to pray that, if we didn't need to do anything for God's will to be done, Jesus would have left that part out because it would be unnecessary. And so we actually need to contend for God's will to happen on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's why push, right? We need to pray until. If I would have just said, oh, when our house that we just closed on, if that was just supposed to be their house, then I should have just left it as is because it was God's will. But no, I've been taught that if it's God's will, I need to amend that on earth. So I said, God, if this is our house, I curse that offer in Jesus' name. If they're not believers or under your open heaven, and I declare that offer is ours, that house is ours in Jesus' name. And guess what? Fell out of escrow, and now it's our house. I just moved in yesterday. Because I contended for the will of God. I amend it on, on this side of heaven. And so that's push, right? So there's warfare. We need to engage in warfare. But then you have on this other side, dependent upon the waters above. Meaning, I'm not gonna be dependent upon what the earth has to offer me in order to be satisfied and filled. You see this really clearly throughout the Bible. It's, it's not just like a provision thing. It's a sustenance thing, but it's marked throughout the Old Testament as both, meaning like when Elijah was in the middle of a famine, he wasn't dependent upon the waters of, uh, of below because they were dried up. He had to be dependent upon manna from, like literally from heaven, not manna, but he had to be dependent upon God bringing him sustenance. And the same thing, you know, Moses with the Israelites in, in, in the wilderness. They couldn't be dependent on anything on the earth. So God literally had to rain down manna. So that's both provision. So that means as believers, we should prosper in times of famine. Every single time in the Old Testament there was a famine, believers came out on top. They came out better. They came out 30, 60, 100 fold more prosperous. So that's what we should be contending for. Um, but it's, it's basically saying, I'm not gonna live amongst the waters of this. I'm not gonna look to social media to fill me up. I'm not gonna look for my relationships to be the thing that give me affirmation. I'm looking for God to be my affirmation. I'm looking for God to give me my security. And so that's dependent upon the waters above. And our destiny is unlocked when we embrace the tension of both. Not one or the other, but both. And probably one of the most significant and clear examples of this in the entire Bible is actually King David from, uh, from the Old Testament. And Pastor Kevin Deddy, if you guys didn't get to listen to Living a Life of Valor from Wednesday night, make sure to podcast that. It was absolutely incredible. He did it without notes. I'm doing it with notes. So working on it, you know, working on it. But I love David because he wasn't just a believer who worshiped, because the Bible said we should worship in spirit and truth. So some people take that out of context and they basically say, oh, I'm a worshiper. I love to worship, so I don't warfare. And so they'll just be like, they'll just grab the new Awakened Music album, which is legit, but they'll just sit in their room and just worship 
like nonsense, that, that's all they do. And they never pick up God's battles. And they say, no, I worship, like I, I, profa- I profess the name of Jesus, like I'm a Christian, but if you don't go to battle for God, you're pulling at one end of the spectrum and that's not healthy. And they, you know, maybe they have Jesus in their IG bio or you know, whatever the case is, right? But they're not, they're not going to war for God. But then you have the people on the other side and they're, they're constantly contending for God's will and they're constantly going after it, but it's works, 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 do, do, do. And they never stop and sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did, and Jesus said, this is better, right? This is better, but you need both. You need both because we don't want you working out of performance and religion and trying to get affirmation from God, but at the same time, we don't want you just apathetic towards the things of God and thinking that, oh, God's will is gonna happen whether or not I get involved. It's actually both. It's actually both. And so King David is a phenomenal example of this because he was dependent both upon the waters above and a lifestyle of push. And so we're gonna look at his life in order to see how to do that well, how to pull out those tensions well so we can fulfill our destiny for God. Because how many wanna do that? How many wanna fulfill the destiny that God put you on earth to do? Great. Everyone else, hang in here, but you can leave at any point if you'd like because it probably won't be relevant for you. So, just gonna say it. I'm 30 now, I can say stuff like that. I'm a grown up. Another word for this journey of, of, of going with God, of pulling at these two tensions, would be the same word that the, the Jewish people would use when they would make their pilgrimage once a year towards the Holy Land to bring their sacrifice to God, to make atonement. And it was called Aliyah. And I grew up Catholic and Jewish people, so it's fine. I can reference some Hebrew things. And, um, and so... They would go, they would, it was always this upward climb because in order to get to Jerusalem from wherever you were, it was upward. It was this upward ascent. That's what Aliyah means. It means upward ascent. Another word you could use might be climb. And the lifestyle of a believer should be that of climbing a mountain like Everest, except for we never arrive. Just a little hint there. Um, we never actually get to the top of the mountain. You get to the top of the mountain once you uh, pass from this life into the next but we're always climbing. The Bible says he takes us from glory to glory to glory, that the way of the righteous spirals downward. No, it doesn't say that. The way of the righteous spirals upward. And God's plan for us is the same. And so the title of this message today is The Climb. The Climb. And this analogy was given to me by Pastor Colin Higabottom, the now campus pastor and regional of, uh, of Boise, Idaho, also the Pathfinders uh, pastors, him and Pastor Melissa, they're incredible, and they've been great leaders and, and, and uh, people who have, I've learned and gleaned a lot from. And I remember one time he was talking about this, and he talked about this lifestyle of climbing that you can't avoid it if you're a Christian. Now, I'll tell you what you can do, and there's some compromise in there, which you'll see in a second as I illustrate this, but the lifestyle is meant to be climbing nonstop. It's just, it's, it's a climb. The life of a believer on this side of heaven is a climb. And so we're meant to climb the mountain that God's called us to climb, the journey of life, we're meant to go upwards. And as we climb, there's difficulties, there's challenges. If you've ever hiked a significant mountain, I will not volunteer for that. Um, But if you have, you'll know that it's difficult. And the higher you get, the tougher it is to breathe. But then as they climb, right, as, as professional climbers climb, you get to what's called a base camp. Base camp is not there for you to live. It's actually very temporary. There's temporary things that are designed so you could catch your breath. For you to catch your breath meaning you've been faithful with one mountain. Oh man, I made it, thank God. I got to the other side of that mountain. I got to the other side of that challenge. I got to the other side of that battle. I'm gonna catch my breath. But you're not meant to live there because there's another mountain to climb. And you're actually meant to then go up again 
and up again and up again. Because it's the same concept of the story of talents in the Bible. Most people read that and they're like, oh, cool. My whole life is just this one thing. God gives me one set of talents, maybe one, maybe two, maybe five. And then my job is to multiply it. Great. God, I did it. I multiplied it. I had success. I reached the finish line. I did what you called me to do. And it's like, I'm done now. And he's like, no, you just base camped. Now I'm gonna give you another set of talents. I'm gonna give you another thing to fight for. I'm gonna give you another obstacle. I'm gonna give you another challenge. And then I need you to climb again. There is no compromise of plateauing. There is no retirement. There is no I made it on this side of heaven. And so that is what we're going to talk about today is how to climb this journey in Christianity. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, first point is say yes to God's battles. Say yes to God's battles. You see, David was known for saying yes to God's battles and God never let him down. The first battle he ever picked was not a battle I would have picked. It was with a giant. <laughs> Never picked that one. And he picked it with Goliath. And he picked it because it wasn't because of the possible, like, fortune that he could have made. Now, I think that was in the back of his head. Like Pastor Kevin was saying, like, the taxes and the fortune that he could have made and the, and the, the wife he was going to get married to the royal family. I think that was in the back of his head. But the reason he actually picked the fight was because it was God's fight. And how do you know that? It's because he came up and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that opposes the armies of the living God? Today I will take his head. It wasn't because of a great opportunity. He didn't just take a great opportunity. He took a God opportunity. And how do you know about it? It's because it's things that God cares about. God cared about the Israelites prospering. He cared about them advancing, and this is what stood in the way. And so attaching yourself to God's kingdom is the only way to actually fight God's battles. And I would even contend to say, if you're not attached to the local church and fighting those battles, now that could be inside the four walls, it could be outside of the four walls. But if you are not attached to the local church, meaning in community, if you're not connected by tithing and trusting God with your money, and if you're not contributing in some form or fashion to the advancement of the church, I might say to you, you are not fully advancing God's kingdom the way that you could be. I know, that one hurt a little bit. Let's take a deep breath. It's gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine. If you need to leave, you can. I'm gonna keep talking about it. So, that's the first battle he picked. The second battle ongoing, this is a really fascinating one. We're gonna see in 1 Chronicles 18, verses one to six. It's really fascinating because the pretext of this, what happens beforehand, is actually David getting this massive promise from God. God basically says, because you've been faithful to me and because you've fought my battles, I am going to bless you in ways nobody's been blessed. I'm going to create a dynasty through you that you have no idea what's gonna happen. And literally, the lineage of Jesus came through David. So David's like, he receives this promise in 1 Chronicles 17, says, who am I? Who is my family that you should be mindful of us, that you should do this, that you should bless us? And he responds by going to war for God. He responds by going and fighting God's battles. And I'm not gonna read the entire scripture because these names are pretty difficult. And um, basically, to sum it up, he went and fought the Philistines, kicked their butt. He went and fought the Amorites, kicked their butt. He went and fought the Moabites, kicked their butt. He went and fought basically everybody and kicked their butt. And then the last verse, verse six, if you wanna scroll to that one, I'll actually read that. Well, the last sentence of it. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. 
How many want to be victorious wherever, he, wherever you go? I find that every time I engage in God's battle, I'm victorious. Anytime I engage in Alex's battle, may or may not be victorious. I want an undefeated record. And so I found that if I can get behind the things that God cares about, God will back me up with his victory every single time. And I found that when I got saved, it became really easy for me to respond because David, remember, David didn't do that out of religious obligation. He did that because God had blessed him so much and he became so aware of it that he's like, I'm gonna go and fight for God. When you've received that kind of love, when you, re- when you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, you'll want nothing less than to lay your life down for him. Knowing that he's faithful and he'll, he'll resurrect anything and he'll bless you and all the things. But I remember I got saved and I was in so much dysfunction, like so much dysfunction. Financially, I was you know, completely backwards because you know, I blew through $100,000 of my inheritance, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But that was so backwards that you, know, you can actually go into debt now. You know, thank you, credit cards. Back in the day, you, 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 you could go into debt, but you just become a slave. But I was a slave to credit cards. And, uh, and so that was mayhem. And then my relationships were all kinds of dysfunctional. And I was, uh, all that to say, my life was a wreck. I walk in, I'm like, wow, God, you saved me. You delivered me. I'll do anything. And so these are the three fights he called me to pick up. Now, what's really interesting is if you look in the previous verse, we didn't read all the way through it, but the three nations or the three tribes that God actually called David to go and fight, they actually are representative spiritually of things that we actually are meant to fight today. So the first one is the Moabites, and they represent, and you can look it all up. I recommend you do a deep dive. But they recommend uh, like the flesh, like the sin, sinful lifestyle that's like the flesh. And so... I was caught up in all kinds of stuff. Like I said, I was doing drugs. I was sleeping around. I was drinking way too much. I was addicted to pornography. I was, I was literally just a mess on lights when I walked in here eight years ago. And so God was like, this is a battle I want you to fight. I want you to fight this thing because I have better for you on the other side for you. My best is on the other side of this battle, but I'm not just gonna take it from you. I need you to go fight it. And so how I fought it, I didn't fight it with flesh and blood. I didn't, like, now there's things you can do in the natural, but what I did was I went to men's prayer. And I got in the middle of the circle, and I humbled myself, because the Bible says if you humble yourself, if you confess your sins, that God is faithful to heal your land. Now, that could be personally, that could be nationally, et cetera, et cetera. And so I got in the middle, I said, hey, guys, you know, I'm addicted to pornography, and I realize that that's bad now. It's crippling my life. It's crippling my relationships. It's crippling anything that I want to do in life. It's crippling my confidence. I need to be set free. And so I had guys lay hands on me, pray for me, and then give me practical wisdom on how to walk that out. Guess what? Free today. Thank God. Have a healthy marriage. Strong. I could not imagine myself here eight years ago. You know, because I couldn't drop everything on him week one. The second week I went, I was like, okay, guys, I'm smoking weed. You know, I'm doing some coke, and uh, I need to be free. Like, this is not good for me. And so they, you know, prayed for me, gave me some practical wisdom, walked it out, free today. Thank God. Next week, I would drink too much and hide my feelings and not be real with people. And they said, okay, let's pray for that. Practical wisdom, walked it out, free today. So I went to war against the flesh. Not because it was required for me to be saved, but it was required for me to live out God's best for me. And because God saved me, I said, I will start caring about the things you care about. The second battle was against greed and materialism, and this is personified by the Philistines in the Bible. 
When I came to church, all I cared about was materialism. All I cared about was, was, was what I had, what I didn't have. And it was an obsession because I used that to mask my insecurity. I thought if I could have enough things, if I could drive the nice cars, if I could wear the nice stuff, if I could put on the front, then maybe I would be significant. Maybe I would be loved. And so that left me spending $100,000 of my college inheritance money from my family, and I blew it within a year and a half. Literally prodigal sunned it, like hardcore. And, uh, and I did all this stuff to try and find significance. Lo and behold, you actually find yourself deeper and darker in a pit than beforehand. And so I, you know, basically came to grips with the reality that none of that stuff would ever fill me, and I needed to get my significance from God. And so when I came here, I started learning about tithing and giving and how that was actually the weapon that God had given me to fight greed and to fight materialism. It's not that God didn't want us to have nice things. He wanted nice things to not have us. And so I started seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, which is tithing, so that I could trust him, so I could build this trust with God financially, him as my father, one who protects and one who provides, and then started giving because I wanted to contribute to what God was doing in advancing this thing and seeing him do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. And guess what? Eight years later, I have a lot more stuff. I have my second home. I'm 30 years old. I didn't graduate from college. I was backwards when I came here. God gave me new beginnings because I trusted in him. I sought first his kingdom, and then he added a bunch of stuff. I used to seek first all the stuff, thought he would add peace and joy and all this stuff. It doesn't work like that. You seek first his kingdom, his way of doing things, and then God will add the stuff, and he'll add it without sorrow. Third battle I went to war against was the battle of apathy about the things of God, and that's the Edomites, Edomites, like Edamame, but not. It's really interesting, if you do a whole study on it, it's actually a descendant of Esau, it's a whole thing. Um, I used to care a lot about what people thought of me. It was like everything to me, it was everything to me. And so I would never do something that would put egg on my face, so to speak. I still don't fully understand that reference, but it came to mind. <laughs> and all I thought about was what would people say? So I made all my decisions in life because I was so afraid and so insecure about how people would think of me. And then God's like, we're gonna scratch that one off the list pretty quick here, buddy. And I said, okay. And so uh, he's like, are you ready to start doing foolish things for me? Because that which is foolish to the world is wise to me. And so what I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you uh, like a couple things, but they're specific to me. I'm not telling you to go do these things. So when I first got saved, because I, I blew through a bunch of money, I had to go get a job, which is funny enough, because I always said I would never have a job. And uh, it's a whole thing. Whoops, yeah. Humble, humble pie. And uh, when I get a job, I was cold calling realtors who are the worst people to cold call ever because anybody can be a realtor. And uh, <laughs> I'm not, okay, whatever, Pastor Mike. I think you made that sound bad. It wasn't bad. You know, if you're a realtor, you know. You, you're annoyed by the other ones that are bad as much as, yeah, okay. All that to say. 300 cold calls a day, it was terrible. So, but I learned some stuff, it was cool. And then, so I'd get there at 5 a.m., leave at 3 p.m., and so I would come in, because I was a new Christian, I was pumped, I was like three months saved, I'd come in with my Bible, I'd lay it out on my desk, it was like a big Bible. And then, you know, and I'd like have my scripture today, I'd read it before, make sure people were watching. And, and it wasn't to like flex, it was just to be like, yo, I'm a Christian, like I'm not afraid to say I'm a Christian, I'm not afraid to talk about Jesus. And so I would talk to people about Jesus, and then my boss, who's the one who could have promoted me, was a former Mormon, and she had left the church, super offended, hated God, hated like, because she, she just thought God was the author of that. So, of course, you're going to be hurt. And so she would constantly call me into her office. We'd do the reporting. You know, we'd check all the stuff. And God had blessed me because I was tithing. And so my performance was really good. But she would spend the next hour trying to get me to renounce my faith. And she knew a lot. 
She knew a lot about the Bible, like, because the devil knows the Bible. And so that spirit was trying to convince me of things that I was just a mature, I was an immature Christian. I was like three months ago. I didn't know the Bible. I knew like Matthew 6, and that was it. <laughs> and so, but what, here's what I would do. Because God was like, are you gonna stand for me or are you gonna buckle at every little thing that comes your way when someone says they might fire you or someone says, oh, this might affect you or this or this. And I said, no, I'm not. And so what I would do, and uh, I was kind of like Peter when the Romans came to him and were like, hey, does Jesus tax pay his taxes? I'm like, Pfft. Peter's like, yeah, Peter t- pays his taxes. And then he'd go, Jesus, are we, are we paying taxes? <laughs> Jesus is like, no, but here, here's, the, here's the solve. Go pay them, blah, blah, blah. And Because he didn't know, but he just, he put his faith in, in, in Jesus' character. So I would always answer kind of like that. Like, no, this, or yeah, this, or whatever. And I never got to, and you know, they actually ended up wanting to promote me despite all that. And I pray that she found a bit of restoration, hope that someone could be that convinced of their God and that trusting of their God. But it broke in me this thing of like, dude, I really don't give a rip what people think. They could take my job, they could take my stuff, they could take this, they could take that, but they can't take my soul because they didn't give that to me. And if they can't take my soul, then I will gladly lay my life down. So that ripped that band-aid pretty good. I found that picking God's battles is the key to endless victory in this life and one that brings total joy, peace, and purpose all the way through. The second point, and we're about to fly here, is never settle. Never settle. We actually see only one time in the Bible where David settled, and it cost him and others severely. So he had constantly gone out to battle. He'd constantly gone out to fight. He'd done really well. He'd won. And then at some point, he plateaued, like we talked about. He got to the base camp, and he had a lot of responsibility, won a lot of battles, and was doing really well. But he got to the place where he's like, oh, I can take a, I can take a seat here for a while. I can sit at this base camp for a while. And it says in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, it says this, in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, when he would have normally gone out to war, David sent Joab in the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And as some of you know how this plays out, David sent Joab out, and one of the, you know, as he's back, in the kingdom, he sees someone bathing, a, a woman bathing, and finds out that it's Bathsheba. And Bathsheba, it's funny, she's taking bath, Bathsheba. And um, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah, who was a uh, fighter, a soldier of David's, who was fighting in that army. Long story short, David sleeps with Bathsheba because he stayed behind, he settled, he ended up compromising because he wasn't engaged in a fight. There's a reason God wants you to fight and not get settled because you will compromise when you're not, yeah, it's a whole thing. But not only did it affect him, because God was like, what the heck, what did you do? He actually ended up killing Uriah. And then he had Joab do it. So not only did he compromise himself, he ended up hurting someone else, and then he compromised someone else's integrity, all because he didn't get up to fight, all because he was a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued, a little bit, I've achieved everything I need to, I don't need to climb again. I'm telling you, there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. Until we've passed from this side to the next, we are going to need to climb. And I found that, you know, when I was uh, growing up, I decided I wanted my life when I got saved, I decided I want my life to look a lot different than, than people who didn't believe because I grew up with Christians around me who their life didn't look anything different than mine because they had settled. 
they'd been fine on base camps. They're like, oh, my life looks really good. My life's fine. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I don't need to advance anything. I don't need to climb anything. And so their lives didn't look any different than mine. And so that made it really easy for me to be like, oh, Christianity can't be real. They don't serve a real God because there was nothing else or different happening in their lives. And I found that when I start climbing, I'm actually more in need of God than when I'm settling. It's actually, I, I need God a lot more now that I own two properties, <laughs> have two mortgages, have a family than I ever needed when I was not in need. I found that the greater the climb, the higher the climb, the more I need God. And the more I need God, the more I find that he shows up as I'm faithful and he is faithful, big things start to happen. And so whether it be in your personal life, your devotion, your healthy relationships, commit to climbing. Don't settle. Whether it be in your business, in your career, or ministry, what you're faithful with or what you're supposed to be faithful with, don't settle. Climb again. Whether you're going for territory, going for homes, advancing the kingdom of God, don't settle. Keep climbing. If our lives are going to go from glory to glory to glory, if we don't have a recent God story to tell, we may have camped somewhere that is actually meant to be temporary and we've made it permanent. And it's time to climb again. The last point is commit to being with God in every season. You see, God's best for us is not just in the winning of battles and the achievement of new heights. It's actually in the relationship we build with him in the process. You see, David, while in Chronicles and Samuel and, and some of those other books of the Bible, we see the warfare. In the book of Psalms, it's beautiful. We actually get to see the devotion and the connection with God. Um, I don't know about you, and that's from him going from, you know, shepherd boy to king and being chased by King Saul and all the way in between. Like, oh, that kind of rhymed. That's cool. A little, a little shimmy. Uh, and he built this trust with God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, you know, in my relationship with God in the eight years that I've been walking with him, there's moments when I feel, and this language might be a little obtuse, but uh, a little skits. Meaning like there's moments and there's days where I feel like I'm on top of the mountain and I trust God and nothing can shake me. And then there's moments when I feel like, has God forsaken me? Have I, have I missed God? Have I, have, I, have I, like, where am I? And those can be the same days sometimes. <laughs> Anybody else or is that just me? And I find so much comfort reading the Psalms and I think that's why God gave them to us because it's not about our circumstances and what's happening, it's about our ultimate trust in God. And David, every single Psalm, and he's complaining sometimes, which we, you know, don't complain, but he's complaining sometimes, he's praising sometimes, but he always ends with, but I put my trust in you, God. And he starts to declare the goodness of God, even if he's prophesying. You see, David committed his life as much to serving and fighting battles for God as he did in connecting with God and communing with him. And there's beautiful examples of this throughout the Bible of people who were of God and that were doing big things for God. But if it came time for them to part with his presence, even if it meant going into the promised land, for Moses, they said, no, I'm not gonna do that. Your, your presence must go with us or we're not going. And it's a beautiful thing to have because it allows you to fully surrender whatever expectation, whatever result, whatever outcome you're going for, knowing that ultimately, if the ultimate win is I'm with God, then you're, you're gonna be fine. And one of the most recent journeys of this was, uh, was with our house and going for this, this, this second property. And um, one of the things that I've been challenged by with a group of friends that I have recently is not to just engage in the activity and the discipline of prayer, which I've become very good at. And I think it's important to build a discipline of prayer, of being in God's word, of praying, of praying in tongues, of, of, of accessing heaven, of doing that. But it should have a result of hearing from God. It should have a result of peace. It should have a result of presence. And if we don't evaluate that every so often, we can actually find ourselves going through, like Pastor Connor said, going through the motions. 
And then that just becomes this religious activity that like, what's the point? And I think I found myself in that maybe, you know, early, mid last year. And my friends started to challenge me to say, hey, what's God speaking to you on a weekly basis? If you're not hearing from God on a weekly basis as a practical way of gauging it, then you might just be going through the motions and not putting a demand on hearing from God because I find that once again, like I said in the beginning, if I'm not hearing from God, it's probably because I haven't actually surrendered something to him. And so, you know, we, we see this house, Dr. Matt on January 18th sends us this house and I didn't think we were gonna be looking for five to six months because I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row. We just bought this other house like a year and a half, almost two years ago. And so I'm like, I know we want another one and we wanna keep expanding all this stuff, but I was trying to get all my ducks in a row. And I find that every time I'm trying to get my ducks in a row, God's like, here's a mountain, go climb it. I'm like, God, I don't have my gear. I don't have this stuff. I don't wanna free solo this thing. And he's like, you're not free soloing, my hand is on you. But if you've got your gear, then you may think that it's all you. And I don't want you to climb a mountain and think that you made it to the top because you can't breathe up there without me. And I hate it and I love it because God put a mountain right in front of us and that was this property that Dr. Matt sent us. And it was a series of miracles that happened, but the first one was that it, it went into escrow with somebody else and we really felt like it was, it was ours. And so the first thing I was going to pray and I've been in this habit of like, I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. And so the first thing he said, I was like, God, did I miss you in this? Like, I really felt like this was us. And you probably heard my wife's story of the, you know, the, um, the vision builders and us sewing. And I'll talk about that in a second, but you know, we realized, oh, we didn't finish vision builders. Like there was a segment of vision builders we didn't finish yet from last year. I actually don't think God's hands on this yet. I think we need to finish our commitment to God and then he'll move. And so we did that. But one of the things that happened before that that allowed me the peace to actually even engage in something like that. So like, how many know when you're buying a house, you want like all the cash you got? So I wanted to make sure that it was, you know, that, that there was God. And so I was praying, I was like, God, did I miss you? Did I miss you in this? And I heard him say, you can't miss me if you're with me. You can't miss me if you're with me. And I knew that I was with God. I've been, you know, my prayer and my discipline and my, my being with God, I knew I was with God. And so I just had to trust that he was gonna open doors and no man can shut, shut doors and no man can open. And so long story short, the house falls out of escrow. We go into it, we're pumped, things are happening, but we still need miracles for it to happen. Things start lining up. And then we get about seven days from close, right when contingencies are pulled. And that basically means the money that you put down, that 1%, and 1% of what we put down was kind of a lot. And, uh, and so uh, I was like, dude, I might, I might lose this money. And I'm like, did we, like, what is happening here? And, uh, and, and so I was praying once again, and I needed to put a demand on hearing from God. And I find that sometimes God asks us to climb mountains because we've maybe gotten a little apathetic and God's like, I need you to get dependent on hearing from me. Because if you're going to do this life of climbing, you need to get used to hearing from me because I know if I hear from God, nothing can shake me. And so, you know, we're, I'm praying and then I feel like God reminds me of the money that we sowed to vision builders. And with my business, I've been, you know, I just started recently to, uh, to do our tithing and our giving on the, from the business on the business credit card because then I pay it off and it's my personal conviction. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not telling, and I don't need your judgment. Like I don't feel convicted about it. And I feel convicted about certain things. And so I pay it off, like it's fine. I like the points. And then, so I did that and I've been doing that consistently, paying it off, no problem. But then I realized and God reminded me while I was praying and walking, because I was asking him, what's in the way? Like, what's in the way? And he's like, you never, and I was trying to conserve cash, so I didn't pay it off for that month. So about $5,000. And God's like, yo, you didn't finish Vision Builders and give that 2023 offering? Amex did. I was like, 
Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that's still my, it's not my name. But I felt God saying, once again, I didn't feel like it was a religious thing. I felt like it was a conviction thing. And what I didn't want to do was go into the, like, lose the house and, you know, lose it over, you know, so, and I felt God say, Alex, you're not going to lose this house over $5,000. Meaning, like, I can make a way for $5,000. God can do anything. But he said, you might lose this house over $5,000, meaning this $5,000. And so I paid it off and instantly felt peace. Didn't solve any of my problems. Because, <laughs> like, you love the story when, like, I did the thing, and then the next day this happened. Real life, nothing happened. I'm still short on cash. And we're about six days away from supposedly closing on this thing or me losing about $10,000. And so, you know, we're walking this thing out. I get to, you know, basically the end of it. I feel like I've done everything I can do. And then, you know, three days from closing hits, we're still short. And then, because it was going to be tight. And, uh, and then my dog, flipping dog, uh, swallows, or we think she swallowed two pieces of gum. And that's a very dangerous thing if you're a homeowner. I'm like, or if you're a pet owner, homeowner, doesn't really matter. And I'm like, and my wife's like, oh my gosh, like, do we need to take him to the vet? I'm like, yeah, babe, I'm not not gonna take him to the vet, like, or her to the vet. I'm not losing my dog over like trying to get a house. Like God's bigger, like he, he can do whatever. So I take my dog to the vet. I honestly don't even think she swallowed any gum. And so, and how many know the emergency vet hospital is like not cheap? I have insurance, thank God, but that money wasn't gonna come for a few weeks. And I needed cash now. <laughs> and I gotta pay cash now to save my dog from something that she probably didn't even do. And uh, so I'm frustrated as all get out. And I leave the vet and I'm like, God, I don't even know if I want this house anymore. I almost felt like, I, I honestly felt like I'm not getting a house. I'm losing 10 grand. And you know what? I'm kind of fine with it. It's a big mortgage. It's a lot of responsibility. I'm gonna wait a few months, save up more money. It's gonna be fine, a little bit easier. And, uh, and so, but I was, I was actually angry with God. Cause I'm like, cause I, and the reason I was angry is because I was actually worried about what people would think of me. Cause I'm like, we've talked about this from stage. I'm a pastor, I've told my friends, we felt like you were in this. For me to say that we feel like you were in this and for you to not come through, and what I was trying to project was I was worried about God's reputation. When in reality, I was worried about my reputation. I was so worried of the shame or embarrassment that would happen to me, and I felt God was like, it's time to crucify this thing again because somehow you've positioned yourself and caring about what people think about you to the forefront, and I need you to, my reputation's fine. I'm the king of kings, I'm the lord of lords. I am alpha and omega, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I cannot be moved, but you are being moved right now, and I need you to stand firm. And so I said, you know what, God? All right, I give you this house. I give you, not only this house, I give you the shame and embarrassment that will probably come, that could come. I don't even care. I wanna trust you and I trust you and I worshiped and I gave thanks to God. Nothing changed circumstantially. I woke up the next day, I literally tell my wife, babe, I think we're gonna lose this house. But honestly, I'm fine. I would love to tell you guys that I was like, God's with us, something's gonna happen, everything's gonna shift now. Like I didn't, I was like, babe, I think we're gonna lose this house, but honestly, I feel peace, and I did. I trust God no matter what, he's faithful. And that's not popular to preach, but the truth is, I don't want my life to be marked by I trusted God when it was good, and I didn't when it was bad. My life shall be the testimony of Job, that even if bad things happen, Jesus, you will get my praise. 
That same day, I go to the mailbox. I kid you not. I think I've gotten mailbox money maybe twice in eight years. But we were three days from closing, and Tanae's like, I'm believing for some mailbox money. I kind of laugh. I open the, there's a bunch of bills and stuff. And I get this letter from our mortgage company that is usually just like a statement of what we owe. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna throw it out. I literally almost rip it up. Something says open it. I open it, I look at it, I'm like, oh, it's whatever. And then I like open it a little bit more because how I many know sometimes it's folded and it's folded and, and I, oh my gosh, is that a check? I try not to freak out. Cause you know, like you don't want to believe something. Cause you're like, if I get my hopes up and this isn't it, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> and so I open it up and I look at it. I text my lender and I'm like, is this, is this a check? Is this a check? It was from like three weeks ago. I don't check my mail very often. <laughs> it was a check for the amount that I had paid off the 2023 breakthrough offering, the amount we owe to vision builders within $30 and it cleared us to get the house and we moved in yesterday. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. So I, as, as we come to a close, I wanna give us an opportunity to respond so I feel like what God is calling us for some of us, you haven't been involved in God's battles and you've been fighting your own battles. You win some, you lose some, but you're like, I'm ready to actually fight for God because I've, and not from a religious thing, but I've received so much from God. I recognize that now and I'm ready to get involved. I'm ready to fight God's battles. I'm ready to do what he's called me to do. For some of you, you've settled on a base camp and maybe there hasn't been compromise yet, but it's coming and you know that it's time to climb again. You've reached a level of success. You've reached a level of breakthrough. You've reached a level of thing and you're a little tired. You're a little concerned about what it would look like to climb again because you remember what it was like when you first did, but God's with you. And if he's with you, who or what could be against you? It's time to climb again. Age doesn't matter, success doesn't matter. The climb is for the life of the believer. And the last thing I wanna do and this is gonna be a little unique and I just want y'all to be, to be ready for this challenge for those of you who it's for, is we sowed, in 2020, we sowed what was a breakthrough offering. It was towards our vision builders. I mean, anybody remember that when we did the 2020 breakthrough offering? And it literally got us into our, our first house. Like, I kid you not, because it wasn't enough for what we needed, so we made it a seed. And then that seed produced the breakthrough of getting our first house. So when Pastor Jurgen felt, let's, we need to do 2023 breakthrough offering because of the recession, all these things, people are afraid and we need them to actually put their trust in God, not in saving, we need them to trust in God. I put my hand up first because I was like, dude, God did that last time. I don't know what he could do this time. This was before we got the house. So we did the 2023 breakthrough offering and now we're in our house. And now I'm not saying it's just for a house. It could be for any kind of breakthrough that you're looking for that you haven't seen something shift. And I only want you to do it if you're actually believing for something massive and you feel a, like you feel something on that. You're like, yeah, actually, I think we need to do that. I think we need to go into our app or we need to give somehow the $2,023 towards our vision builders and see God do what we can't do. And if that's you today, I don't want you to leave this auditorium without doing that, without taking the step of faith, without trusting God. Because I promise you, we wouldn't be in the situation we are if we didn't do that. It's putting your trust in God. So for those of you, I'm gonna pray for those three groups in a second, but first I wanna pray for anybody here who maybe was like me eight years ago. You walk into this church, you're like, what the heck is this? And then you hear me talking about stuff, you're like, what the heck is this? And then you realize you don't have a relationship with God. 
And how do you know that? Well, you're not hearing from him or you've never said, God, I make you through Jesus, the only door to heaven, the only door to the Father, I make you my savior and my Lord. If you've never done that, I actually want you on the count of three to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. And maybe you once walked with Jesus and remember, he died to set you free. He died so that you could have life and life eternally. If you've done that, but you once walked, you, you once walked with him, but now you've fell away, ran away, walked away, whatever, and you need to come back to him and you know today's the day. Well, today is the day because you don't know what happens tomorrow. If you're not in relation with God or you once were and you need to make that decision on the count of three, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, I see those hands. Beautiful, I see those hands. If your heart's racing right now and you're like, dude, would this guy just shut up? I'm trying to go to lunch. This is making me nervous. Just raise your hand because you need to respond. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna do this. We're all gonna say this prayer. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna say this prayer together to invite Jesus into your heart. And then what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray for everybody who's one of those three groups of people. And I'll mention those in a second. But let's all say this prayer together because praying it in your heart and saying it with your mouth is actually what gets you to this relationship with Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I repent of my old life. I give it to you. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. I make you my savior and my Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give it up for those people who just made that decision. Greatest decision of your life. We've got some team that'll pray with you. But before you go, lift your hands, lift your hands. I wanna pray with you. Maybe you need to get involved in God's battles, make a decision today. Maybe you need to climb again because you settled, make a decision today or maybe Today, you need to sow a breakthrough offering of 2023 because you're ready to see God do the impossible in a situation. Father, I thank you that you are the God of breakthrough. I thank you that you are faithful, maybe even when we're not faithful. I thank you that you are the God who speaks to us, who speaks through us and speaks for us. Father, I thank you that there are things, if there are things that are mountains in our way, Father, sometimes you break them, sometimes you move them, but sometimes you ask us to climb them. Father, I thank you that you would give us the courage and you'd give us the strength. You'd give us the fortitude, you'd give us the wisdom to go climb again, to go to go ascend again to the hill you called us to. Father, I thank you that you are breaking things, you are striking things down, that you are helping to move what cannot be moved, that you are the God who does things exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. I thank you for every person who's responding to your word today, that they would be saved, healed, delivered, empowered, and awakened to your call and your purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.